is up, everyone? My name is Brandon First, aka First Report, representing the ESBC Betting Podcast Network. It is Sunday, July 19th, 2020, and that means it's Sunday. That means it's time to talk Major League Baseball. And I got to tell you, I am really, this is by far the most excited I've been doing these uh, podcasts pretty much all summer uh, for two reasons. First reason is obviously, look, this is the last off-season episode. Um, yes, we're halfway through July. We probably should be uh, talking trade deadline stuff, but fact of the matter is we're not. But this is the last off-season uh, show that we're going to do. Starting next week, we're going to be able to do two podcasts, uh, Southern California betting and MLB betting. We'll have enough to cover both of those. And the other reason I am excited, uh, this is the main reason, is because from here on out, I, uh, I got some backup. I actually, um, I was kind of just the pawn. We brought the queen in to do the work. I am so honored uh, to introduce Brianna Winner, who not only has a great last name for a betting podcast, didn't change it. That's, that's been her birth name. You can look it up, I promise. We, we did the background just to make sure. But we're going to monetize not only her overall knowledge of baseball, but specifically her A-plus knowledge of angel baseball and where every single person on this podcast has uh, a specialty. And we all have those. And I am so excited to introduce Brianna Winner to the podcast, A-plus angel knowledge. And look, anybody who has a dog named Wrigley probably has an infinity for the Cubs. So without further ado, here is the newest member of our podcast, Miss Brianna Winner. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? The first couple times I tried to uh, see what it was, my inability to read got in the way. So I don't want to mess it up. I'll pass it over to you and, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I do, in fact, have a dog named Wrigley. <laughs> um, but I was an athlete from the age of four until gradu or graduated high school. I played softball, hence my knowledge of baseball. Um, I was the sports editor at both schools so like in my undergrad when I was at University of Colorado Colorado Springs and also at my recently graduated um, Cal State Northridge where I just finished my master's um, and my favorite coach of all time was the softball coach I just have to say it <laughs> give her a shout out what was her name uh Tariah Flowers okay whose name was also Tariah Mims and she's a former Olympian as well so Gotta love her. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and believe me, USA Olympian, uh, USA Olympian on uh, at softball. Got to guarantee she's got gold at some point because uh, it's gold very is rare. Gold is yeah, there you go. Perfect. Awesome. Well, like I said, I'm very, very excited uh, to be working with Brianna, and um, we are going to dive into you know baseball. We are getting you ready to make money watching baseball. It's been a long wait. I've been saying it the last month. Our patience is about to pay off as sports fans. We are going to go, we were probably going to end up going three months, four months without sports. And now this next month, you're going to wear that, that previous channel button out. Uh, I'm a hockey fan and they're, they're saying there's going to be six hockey games a day. I don't know how I'm going to manage my time, but like we said, the, pa the patience has paid off. We are going to get deep into sports. And when that happens, we are going to make money watching them. And on that note, we are going to start with our first betting preview of the year. And it is going to be the first game of the season. It will be Thursday night, uh, 4 o'clock uh, for us Pacific 
folks, seven o'clock in the East, everybody else in the middle, you figure it out. We have the Washington Nationals hosting the New York Yankees. Obviously, look, no fans, um, not going to happen for a while, if even this year, I doubt it. But I am expecting um, the, the Nationals and the Yankees, obviously a huge pitching matchup. Currently, the betting odds are uh, the Yankees favored minus 135 on the money line. The Nationals are plus 125 on the money line. The over-under is currently seven and a half. Uh, breaking this game down, personally, I looked at the pitching matchup. You have to look at the pitching matchup when you're betting baseball uh, straight away. And you really can't get better than what we got today, uh, or on Thursday, I should say. We've got Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole. These are two guys who are not only at the top of their game, um, but they are incredibly intense. And two guys that were pitching in the World Series last year. Obviously, we know who won and we know who lost. So we go back, and, and it's, we have to bring it up. Last night, Saturday night, Max, Max Scherzer faced the Phillies in, a, a, in an exhibition game, and he got rocked. Uh, seven, in, seven earned runs in only two innings. Of course, I think that's going to feed Max Scherzer even more. If you know Max Scherzer, he's probably ripped somebody's head off uh, last night after giving that up. Can't read too deeply into it, but I will point out it wasn't a normal spring training game in terms of the Phillies did have a lineup that's going to be very close to a lineup they put out on a day-to-day -day basis. Moving to the Yankees side of pitching, look, Garrett Cole, we all know, what we, uh, we all know about him. Signed a huge contract in the offseason. Finally getting a chance to pitch for the Yankees, a team he grew up watching. He's pretty much been as good as advertised in summer camp. Uh, a lot of uh, split squad games, a lot of swings and misses. Guys, looks the real deal. Doesn't look like uh, any fluke. That's left a long time ago. Oddly enough, the last time Garrett Cole did pitch in a, major, uh, in a competitive Major League game was in Washington, uh, game five, the last time he ever threw for the Astros, pitched well, went seven innings, got the win. I do want to point out, though, game one of that same World Series against this same Washington Nationals team, kind of same Nationals, Nationals team, he did struggle. He allowed five earned runs in seven innings. That game was in Houston, so the dimensions of that ballpark are a little different. Um, look, overall... The, the Yankees are as healthy as obviously they're going to be, and they're still not even healthy. We are still waiting on the, uh, to find the status of DJ LeMahieu and Araldis Chapman, who are both on the COVID list. Although, if everything went as planned in terms of their quarantine, the date should line up. We should see them on Thursday to play. So we will hold off a little bit on that, but the Yankees lineup is still uh, – it's, it's, it's elite. Let's no other way to put it. We look at the Nationals. This is now the second straight offseason the Nationals have let a big bat leave. Not like it was their choice. They got out or outbid for him. It happens, but they lost Harper two years ago. They lose Rendon this past offseason. Look, it, it was okay last year. They go on and uh, end up winning the World Series. I do look at this year's lineup, though. I mean, we're looking at possibly Howie Kendrick as your cleanup or your number three, who's the protection of Juan Soto? That's my question. In this game, it's going to be difficult. I think Scherzer, Cole, I, I really see this game being 1-1, 2-1, heading into the seventh, eighth inning. We get to the bullpens, and that's where I think the Nationals have a big-time disadvantage. We might not see Araldis Chapman. The Yankees might be without him. That's, that's okay. They still have Adam Adovino. Um, where'd my notes go? Uh, Chad Green, Zach Britton, and uh, Tommy Conley. All four of those guys are could all be uh, probably right behind Sean Doolittle in that Nationals bullpen. Daniel Hudson, I will say, he if he can do what he did in the stretch run last year, 
I think the Nationals will feel a little bit better. But overall, in this game, it's for me personally, I'm going, like I said, I'm going to hold off. I really want to see G.G. LeMahieu in the lineup. I think him at the top of this lineup changes the way the Yankees really go about their business. It's going to be a tight game. I think the bullpens end up being the difference. That's why I like the Yankees in this one. Like I said, I'm not locking it in just yet. But that's where I'm leaning as we get you ready for opening day on Thursday. Uh, Brianna, how about your thoughts? Well, I see the Nationals. Obviously, you've got Max Scherzer. And just like you said, he's coming for blood. Um, and the Nationals are going to come out of the gate strong, just trying to defend their national title. But you've also got to think about the fact that there are people that have opted out of the season, um, Ryan Zimmerman being one of them. So you never know. But the, I feel like the defense is still going to be behind Scherzer, even with this new and shortened season. But they're going to want to start on a high note as well. And Howie Kendrick, don't forget, he's the former angel, hit a grand slam against the Dodgers last year. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I was putting my notes together and I brought out Howie Kendrick, I, I put odds on it. I was like, what are the odds that Brianna tells me about or reminds me about? And you're right. You know what? That he And it wasn't just that. I believe game seven, he had the whole uh, – the, in the World Series, he had the go-ahead or a huge home run in game seven of the World Series. And Howie Kendrick, look, don't get me wrong. Hey, he, he's, he's, a, he's a great player. Um, I just, if he's your cleanup man or if he's your, if he's your um, protection for Juan Soto, I, if I'm an opposing manager, I have no problem pitching around Juan Soto and dealing with Howie Kendrick. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure Clayton Kershaw wouldn't want to do that. I'm sure he still has nightmares of Howie Kendrick. But, I, I mean, for me, Howie Kendrick has been a guy, he's been a steady Eddie. He's been the same, pretty much the same guy he was in Anaheim is what he is now. Obviously doesn't run quite the way, but um, not, not shitting on Howie Kendrick, but just overall uh, in, in, in the division they're in and this lineup uh, personally, myself, I think that could be a disadvantage, but um, really everything you said was, was spot on because it is going to come down to how these two opening day, the first couple uh especially this year, the first couple days of the season, it's going to be really tough um, because all the aces are going or, you know, pretty much the twos are against the twos, the threes against the threes. So it's going to be hard to figure that out. Um, and now after, so we've got that figured out. Um, Josh will be the tiebreaker on that uh, vote. We'll have that or on that pick. We'll have that for you before first pitch on Thursday. But now this is uh, my new favorite thing. Uh, we are going to invite you in to what I am calling the winner's circle. And that is where we pass it over to Brianna Winner. She's going to tell us all about the Anaheim Angels, give us her weekly Angels report as we get ready for uh, opening day on Friday. Well, if you were on yesterday, you would have heard me say that they've got one of the toughest schedules out in the West. And I'm going to repeat that now. They have one of the toughest schedules in the West. You don't know about what's going to happen with Mike Trout because his baby's on the way. But you've also got Anthony Rendon out with an oblique, and you don't know if he's going to be ready in time for the opener on Friday against the A's. Um, but they are going to be playing at home. And Andrew Heaney, man, I don't even know what's happening right now. But, like, he's set to start on Friday. And then he's also on the injured list. So I don't understand it at all. <laughs> it is odd, too. I mean, because do you think that they gave any thought maybe um, – to, to have an Otani be opening day um, or even Tehran? Because, I mean, let's be honest, we both agree that the biggest weakness 
for the Angels is the pitching. So it's not like they have, you know, a ton to grab from in their opening day. But I agree with you. It seems a little odd that you would not only announce your opening day starter, um, not early, but before you have to. And then that same guy, while you do that, as we speak right now, is still on the injured list five days away from opening day. He's on the injured list because he woke up with back stiffness yesterday uh, before their game against I forgot who it was. But but with Otani, I think they're just trying to give him a little bit more time. You don't know if he's going to be hitting on Friday anyway. But I think because of Tommy John's surgery and the fact that he's had this entire time to practice, he may still feel a little bit like iffy on it. So they're probably just going to give him a little bit more time and maybe put him in like later in the rotation. Let's say like Saturday, Sunday. You don't know. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there we are with that Angels report, hopefully. And like I said, I think all teams right now, especially as fans, like we, we don't – normally when we read an injury report, um, we're looking for muscle tightness or, or you, know, you know, surgery. You know, now, now we see illness, and that's, now that's the biggest thing is, oh, illness. We all know what that means. So I think we're all, we're all dealing with that and um, really excited to get deeper into the season and uh, continue to, like I say, monetize – uh, the winner circles knowledge If getting that chance to make money watching sports. That's what the purpose of this podcast is all about. And on that note, we move on to the second game of, uh, I guess, opening day um, part one opening day for everyone will be on Friday, but Thursday, uh, the nightcap will be the San Francisco Dodgers heading to the Los Angeles, or I'm sorry, San Francisco Giants heading to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Look, this is a mismatch pretty much everywhere you look. I do look at the pitching. The, the pitching matchup is the tightest of all three um, that I looked at. But Johnny Cueto missed pretty much mo- majority of the last two years. I think he's made about 10 starts in the last two years. Four last year really even wasn't that, um, not, wasn't that impressive last year when he did return. This will be the first opening day he's started. Uh, since 2015, when he pitched with the Reds, what, Tommy John is kind of the ultimate question mark. Uh, Johnny Cueto was already on a downward uh, trend career-wise ever since he's kind of got to or uh, arrived with the Giants. I will say, when you do see a pitcher going up against the Dodgers, especially a right-handed pitcher, the first thing I look at is how they fare against lefties because the Dodgers have such a good left-handed lineup. Johnny Cueto is pretty even across the board um, in terms of his splits. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not great, but it's not anything that uh, heavily favors one side or the other. Obviously, on the other side, we have Clayton Kershaw, who is making opening day start number nine for the Dodgers. He's going to face a team that he has a ton of success against um, and, and, and very comfortable against. And not only that, he's facing a Giants team. This might be the worst Giants team he's ever faced. Uh, We look at the bullpen of the Giants, and look, the Giants don't even have a starting rotation named. Johnny Cueto has been named the opening day starter. Really, other than that, Gabe Kapler is just kind of, you know, making it seem like he's going to fly by the seat of his pants. So that kind of tells you all, if you don't have a starting rotation figured out, you definitely don't have a bullpen figured out. So the bullpen is going to struggle very early on, and we look at the Dodgers' bullpen, it's, I think it's their weakness, their biggest weakness. And when I say that, it's still 
an above average unit. Uh, I look at Kenley Jansen at the back end, incredibly, incredibly gifted when he wants to be, but sometimes he just cannot put that ball over the plate. Or if he does put it over the plate, everyone's hitting it uh, out of the yard. I am interested to see how the Dodgers use Bruce Straw. Bruce I probably screwed that up. Bruce Straw Gratterall, who they acquired this past offseason. He is probably going to be the closer of the future in this game. The Dodgers bullpen, if they need it, which I don't think they will, but if they do need the bull, their, their bullpen will have an advantage. And look, the lineup for the Giants with Buster Posey was going to be um, below average. They obviously don't have Buster Posey. They're going to rely on aging veterans. Pretty much all these guys are on the, uh, the injured list, by the way. But uh, you're going to look at guys like Evan Longoria, Brandon Belt, uh, Pence and Brandon Crawford. Look, five years ago, that's a hell of a, you know, four, five, six. Not anymore. That's just a bunch of really uh, eaten up contracts. And probably two or three of those guys aren't even going to be on the team when or uh, be available when the game starts. There's a reason the Dodgers are minus 300 in this one. In the terms of the Dodgers lineup, you know what it is. They're, they're going to come out with uh, Mookie Betts at the top, more than likely. And then you got Bellinger. Peterson and just a murderer's row really of left-handed bats when you have a, a, a catcher like Will Smith who has a ton of pop batting eight or nine and then Gavin Lux is going to be either eight or nine as well they are going to have a dominant lineup and then you also throw in their ability to have a universal DH so now you can throw Kike Hernandez pretty much anywhere on the diamond and give some position player a day off the Dodgers are huge in this one I personally am not allowed to bet on this game the Dodgers I'm too emotional for the Dodgers I hate them so much I hate them more than anything in this world so I, I'm too emotional I can't bet but I will say the only the only thing that I saw value in and it's not even a ton of value is the Dodgers at minus one and a half I think they're going to win by two or three runs probably even more um, and that number is minus 140. So you're going to have to bet 14 or 140 to win 10 or 100, respectively. So you don't put a little down, but it's better than the minus 300 uh, on the money line or the eight on the over-under. I think the Dodgers can score six easily, maybe seven, but I don't know if the Giants – I can see the Dodgers winning seven-nothing and us getting screwed on the over-under. So like I said, I will give you that bet on Thursday when the less emotional people uh, take it over. But – for the moment, pass it over to Miss Brianna Winner. What are your thoughts on this game? I'm taking Kershaw and the Dodgers. I had to bring the bobblehead in this. But, oh, there it is. But you also think, like, two of those giants that you mentioned, Hunter Pence and Evan Longoria, they're on the day-to-day -day list as well. So you don't know what this lineup's going to look like. Obviously, they haven't – nobody has set their lineup yet. But I still take the Dodgers no matter what because Cueto – like you said, only pitched like four games last year, and he had Tommy John back in 2018, and he hasn't really seen much action since. So you really don't know how he's going to fare, and he only pitched 16 innings out of those four games. So exactly. greatest. Yeah, and, and it's true. I mean, with the, the Dodgers and Kershaw, it's, as, long as, as long as it's not October in, in front of that, I think Kershaw is a great bet. I mean, we all – I can make tons of jokes uh, about Kershaw in October. Um, and that's honestly turned into my uh, favorite pastime. But with the Dodgers opening day, Kershaw on the bump. Personally, I, I think it is a nod to him. You know, hey, get the opening day. I don't think he's the ace of the staff. I think Walker Buehler is. Um, and I, I still, you know, obviously David Price isn't going to pitch. 
But I, I look at this, this pitching staff and Kershaw might be the third or fourth best pitcher on this team. Obviously the, the giants are, they're, they're feeble at the plate. Like I said, even, and like I said, even if those four guys that I talked about somehow do come back and are playing, I don't know if they're good enough to even do anything about it. Going back to Kershaw for the time being, because obviously years are going by, he's getting older. He's not where oh, yeah. he used to be. So you still don't know, but he was still 16 and five last year. So he's still got an arm. Yep. But as the years go on, he's just going to get lower and lower in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, shoot, as a, that, it's a great problem to have or a great thing to have as a Clayton Kershaw or a perennial Hall of Famer towards the end of his career be a four or five starter for you. And, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still feeling like the Dodgers um, are, are somehow going to choke and not win a, a World Series with this group of guys. But I, I feel eventually they got to run into one. So, but uh, moving on to my uh, Padres for the Padres report. Look, as we get closer to Friday, we finally saw, thank goodness for the people at the Padres. I mean, every other team was, or for the most part, most teams were streaming um, either practices or split squad games. Nothing from the Padres. We're having to deal with Kevin AC in the Union Tribune, which I wouldn't even wipe my ass with that newspaper. It's terrible. So we were having to deal with that. Uh, it was nice on Monday or on Wednesday and Thursday to actually see a split squad game. Um, and it was Thursday was perfect because we got to see Mackenzie Gore. And if you're a Padre fan, Mackenzie Gore is the next, uh, the, pretty much the next guy that we need to be the ace. I love Chris Paddock, but he probably slots in as, as the number three behind Gore and Patino uh, in three or four years down the road. But watching Mackenzie Gore, not only pitch, but face major league batters. I mean, I could watch YouTube highlights of him in uh, Fort Wayne playing for the Tin Caps, but you know what? He might face one or two guys that are end up going to end up being major league hitters, and they're not major league hitters at that moment. So really, what does it show? But on Thursday, you saw him uh, challenge guys. He, he wasn't perfect. I think he went two innings, gave up two or three runs, got hit around a little bit, got out of a jam or two, but you could tell he wanted to challenge. His fastball is, is 92, but it gets out quickly. And I tell you what, when you see his, his windup, we were just talking about Clayton Kershaw. I mean, it, his windup is almost just a perfect carbon copy of Kershaw coming from the left-handed side. Really, really interested to see how the Padres use him this year. Uh, going to a guy that I fully expect the Padres to uh, use and someone that Brianna is very familiar with is Garrett Richards. He is somebody I watched on Wednesday face Zach Davies and I saw Garrett Richards last year. Uh, I think he started two or three games. Forgettable. He did not look good. Um, and really it was another question mark of why the Padres signed this guy. I mean, last year he was the third highest paid Padre and he didn't play. He was signed by the Padres as be the third highest paid Padre knowing that he wasn't going to play that year. So hopefully this year, and like I said, I saw that curveball. Curveball was tight. It was very good. Uh, made a lot of pitcher or made a lot of hitters look silly. So we'll see. He had nice little life on that fastball at 94, 95 was topping out at. Excited to see how Garrett Richards does. The Padres pitching staff is going to need to be much better than last year. And they're, they're going to need to go deeper into ball games. 
There's no more innings limits on these guys, or at least won't be. Might be pitch counts on guys, you know, in terms of uh, on that in that game. But Chris Paddock isn't getting pulled out two weeks before the end of the season uh, because of innings limits or stuff like that. Everyone's going 100% in terms of the innings. So what does that do? How do, where does where does Richards, where does Davies, where does Lamette, where does Paddock fall? And then we still got Cal Quantrill and Joey Lucchesi. Who's going to be the number five starter? The Padres did make a trade. They traded away uh, one of my favorite players who really didn't play for the Padres a ton. But Franchi Cordero, a guy who had all the p- potential in the world, uh, could not stay healthy. Could not stay healthy. I personally, on Wednesday's podcast when I was with Brandon Lupi, and I said on the podcast, the reason why I was excited to see this split squad game, I wanted to see Franchi Cordero hit. Saw him hit twice the next day he's traded. So I guess that was the kiss of death from Brandon. But it is what it is. They end up, the Padres send French Cordero to Kansas City. They get left-handed pitcher Tim Hill, who will be a welcomed addition to a bullpen that only had one lefty at the moment. It was Drew Pomerantz, and they kind of need Drew Pomerantz to be a seventh or eighth inning guy, not so much a specialist, which specialists aren't really a thing now with the three batter minimum. And that is the thing with Tim Hill. His splits are not good. Um, he's a guy, he, he's a strikeout pitcher. He had uh, 22 innings last year against right-handed batters. Uh, I think his ERA in the, in the high fours did have 28 or 29 strikeouts in those 22 innings, but he has to be better against right-handed hitters, especially in this division when you have the Dodgers who will go three straight uh, left-handed batters and then you bring in Joe Pomerantz or Tim Hill and you think you're good and the Dodgers counter with uh, three right-handed batters off the bench. How will Tim Hill deal with that? Hopefully he gets better against right-handed pitchers. Larry Rothschild, the new pitching coach, he's going to have to deal with that. Uh, And then the last question I have of the Franchi Cordero trade is who plays center field now? Uh, Franchi Cordero was probably – one of the better defensive uh, center fielders the Padres had. I know Trent Grisham has been good in camp, but I still flash back to last year in the wild card game when he laid that ball and pretty much allowed the uh, Nationals to go on and win the World Series. I saw Taylor Trammell just play a Little League game out in uh, center field. And then possibly Will Myers. I mean, Will Myers has had time in center field. I really wouldn't want Will Myers out there but they're trying really hard to get at-bats for Will Myers. That could be a possibility. So we'll, we'll try and see here in the next couple days, three or four days. My money would be on Grisham to be the center fielder. Uh, Jace Tingler really liked him in spring training, but we'll see how that goes. And we are uh, going to have this week, um, Monday and Wednesday, a little intra-squad game. The Padres will be going up against the Angels. Wednesday or uh, Monday will be the Angels in Petco, and uh, vice versa on Wednesday. I read a funny little article. I think it was the LA Times. Pretty much the Angels, uh, neither t- no teams are opening up their visiting clubhouses. So the Angels are, uh, you know, bussing down to Petco. They're, they're going to change in the concourse, get themselves, you know, dressed up. Game ends. You know, maybe change, put some sweats on. No showers, nothing. Hop on an hour bus ride up north. Hope that uh, everyone brought their Axe body spray and their deodorant because it will be a smelly bus. And that's what's going to happen throughout the year for all sporting events. We're not going to see showers. We're not going to see uh, players change into street clothes. Um, but that will happen this week. 
the angels and padres will be getting together. Uh, myself, what I, I wanna, what I want to see is, like I talked about, who's going to play center field? What is the outfield going to look like? Look, we know Eric Hosmer is going to be overpaid at first base. Jerkson Profar is probably going to be at second. And then we have a great left side of the field with uh, El Nino and Manny Machado. We got uh, Hedges behind the plate, Mejia at DH, but what happens in the outfield? Tommy Pham is sharpied in, but he's not a center fielder. So what else? That's what I'm looking forward from the Padres. Uh, Brianna, what are you going to be looking for from the Angels? I know, um, obviously, Rendon is a big part of it. He's probably highly doubtful he'll play, but anything else? Um, I'm just curious to see who, like, if Rendon isn't available when opening day hits, who's going to be playing and I think that's what they're going to be trying to figure out against the Padres is they're going to try different lineups, different um, position players to try and fill that spot. Obviously, you've got Tommy Lestella and David Fletcher who could possibly go in that spot. And then maybe they might figure out center field when Mike Trout goes to see the birth of his baby. So I think they're just going to be trying out different things this week prior to opening day. Perfect. And, and I do want to throw something out there. Um, look, if you, uh, we love betting on this podcast. Uh, that's what it's all about. But if you are betting on these exhibition games, you need to call 1-800-GAMBLER. And I mean that seriously. You, you, can, you should not be betting on exhibition baseball games. I, I was watching uh, highlights of the Nationals-Phillies game. The Phillies, uh, Aaron Nola had the third and fifth innings, didn't pitch uh, as many pitches as the Phillies wanted him to. So they, both teams literally like, oh, this inning will play with four, to four outs. Okay, that's what you're betting on when you bet these games, folks. Okay, so don't bet these exhibition games. But going back to what we're talking about with the Padres and Angels, I love what you brought up with the Angels, with Mike Trout, in terms of what they're going to do. Obviously, somewhat similar with the Padres. I mean, I wish we had, wish we had a, a guy like Mike Trout going uh, to, to fill in a spot there. But Fernando Tatis Jr. for me is a guy who in a, a two-month season needs to stay healthy. I talked about it last year. I don't think the way he plays is conducive to a long career. I'm the first one to say he is the most one of the most exciting players in baseball. I love the pop out to second base and you're tagging up to third or tagging up from third. But that was a big reason why he missed uh, upwards of almost two months last year. If that happens this year, the Padres have no chance. If Fernando Tatis Jr. misses the next two weeks or any uh, two weeks or less, really, this season will be lost. Um, so I'm hoping that he has taken this past year to or off season to try and find a balance between that really exciting and uh, really um, safe thing. Try and find a middle ground. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about is uh, Brianna Winner's favorite player, Yasiel Puig. I'm just kidding, of course. But um, obviously, we heard the news on as of Wednesday, he was going to sign. It was seemed like it was a done deal. And then uh, Thursday or Friday, uh, the test came back and uh, came out. He is not signing with the Braves. So what are your thoughts on this, uh, Brianna? Well, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, the fact that they were only going to sign him if he tested negative. Obviously, we all know the type of person Puig is. That's why he's ah, nah, my favorite. Um, even like with last year with him and the Reds and knowing he was going to get traded, he just was, I'm going to go with a bang. But this could jeopardize like the rest of his career. Obviously, it could jeopardize the rest of this season. But to not sign somebody just because they tested positive is kind of ridiculous. 
um, especially when you said you were going to sign him literally like a day prior. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, this is a very, um, I think, selfish move uh, on the Braves' part. Look, you, you, it was five to, what, four days ago, so that would have been the 15th. So let's call two weeks. So we're talking about the 29th. That's five days he missed, five games he missed. Um, and to be honest, even if he was healthy, what do you think he's starting on opening day or whatever? He's probably going to take a couple weeks to get himself healthy. So I, I agree with you. I think it's incredibly selfish by the Braves and really just baseball in general to, to just be, no, we only, we were only going to um, deal with you if you're perfectly healthy. And look, I, we're, we're different in terms of how we, we view Puig. I definitely understand um, why he wouldn't be people's cups of tea. Um, especially when he was on the Dodgers. Believe me, very few people hated Yasiel Puig more than me when he was on the Dodgers. But a lot of things change when players leave the Dodgers, in my mind. I look at Yasiel Puig, and in the light locker room, I think he can be okay. I think he can um, find ways to, to, to coexist. And, and the main thing has to be winning. I, uh, two weeks ago, came out the, the Orioles offered him a deal and that I knew, Whoa, don't, don't do that. That locker room will be really bad when the Orioles start to lose because Puig doesn't want to be on a losing team and not a whole lot of teams are going to be trading for Yasiel Puig after what happened last year. So Puig, I think this for this year, I have to think for him, he's, you know, maybe could be a something call up for people in Korea. That could be something. We, we saw Addison Russell, who I will go on record as saying, I don't think a woman beater like Addison Russell should get a second chance. But he's getting a second chance in Korea. Believe me, Yasiel Puig signs in Korea. He is by far the best player. I don't think Yasiel Puig wants to do that. He'll probably hold out hope that somebody late in the season will get desperate and give him a call. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. This is It was a really selfish and just it wasn't the right thing I feel the Braves should have done. Well, going back to Korea, if he wants to play, like he should, if Korea offers it, take it. Like they're, they've been playing for what, like a few weeks now? Uh, oh, no, they're, they're about two and a half months in. Okay, then. But it's just like, if you want to play, you got to go somewhere else to play if you're not getting offered somewhere here. That's what a lot of like college basketball players, once they're done with school, is doing. They're going internationally. Like, from the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, it's a Division II school. Like, they've seen so many players go internet, like international. Only one player has actually signed with the NBA, and that's only because he transferred to Boulder, literally his. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, it's an option. You're still going to get to play. You, there's a chance you could come back to the MLB after. So, if he gets a chance, he should take it. If he, and he was never my favorite. <laughs> I know, I know. I was... I was, uh, I, I, that, that was dripping of sarcasm and, uh, and, and the listeners of the, of the podcast hopefully uh, are fluent in Brandon sarcasm by now. But go, just also with the Koreas, you know, it used to be, and I've been watching Korean baseball this, this season. Uh, I call it uh, morning, morning baseball. I tape the game or watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Definitely not wake up at 2.30 in the morning. But they've talked about pretty much the last three or four years, going back to 2015, Eric Thames, won the MVP, came to the United States, and, and really, I mean, he didn't win MVP, but he, his career took off. He is now a household name. Um, we see guys like Josh Lindblom, who, who will be pitching for the Brewers this year. Not a household name, but last year was the MVP. So 
It used to be, oh, you're in Korea. Ah, that's the end of your career. I mean, currently right now, Adam Jones is playing in uh, Japan. I'm sure a team or two, the Padres, I personally, if, if Adam Jones was on the Padres, I'd know who my center fielder was already. So it's not a situation of, oh, uh, going to Korea, it's over. It, I think in Puig's head, it could be. I think Puig is a very prideful human being, probably to a fault, um, probably something he needs to work on. Um, and I, I think another part of it is the financials. I'm sure um, Yasiel Puig has a number. And I'm, not, I'm spitballing here, but I would not be surprised if Spot, Scott Boros is his agent. Um, and I don't think there's a Korean team that can match that price tag. But you never know. And like you said, maybe later in the year or as deeper into the year, because Korea is playing 144-game schedule. They're playing until November. So there's time. If Puig realizes, oh, that's it, I'm not getting a, I'm not getting a call from anybody, uh, maybe head over to Korea. And, I mean, that would be huge. Korea, they talked about the first two months. Korean baseball has the money that has gone into KBO has been pretty much tenfold everything the last 10 years because of all the eyes from the United States. So um, there might be a team that says, hey, you know what, we're looking ahead, and we think there's going to be a huge amount of money coming in the next couple of years. Let's take a chance on Puig and I mean, that would be that would be something else right there. But final thoughts, uh, Miss uh, Brianna Winter. First time, not too bad, huh? Not too bad. I don't really have any final thoughts. Just perfect. Curious. Well, I just want this season to start already, man. Amen. It's I I want was, some baseball. Uh huh. I was thinking about it today. I was like, all right. I have a I have a buddy on Facebook who every time I put on, uh, you know, oh, one week away, he comes in and beats the negative Nelly. Oh no, not gonna happen. So I am just waiting for that first pitch on Thursday night to tag him and just relentlessly troll him all season. Um, but look, it's 2020. Four days, pretty much equal a month. So a lot can happen. I'm knocking on wood as we speak, as I say that baseball will begin on Thursday. We will have three picks for you starting on Friday, and that will be going all season. You'll have three picks a day to make money watching baseball. And don't forget, we're also going to have NBA picks dropping as well. And by the time uh, baseball finishes up, we're going to look up and football will be around. And you all know what we do when football comes around. So thank you all so much. Again, thank you, Brianna. You were amazing. It's going to be a lot of fun the rest of the year. I can't wait to not only watch baseball, uh, but talk baseball with you and everyone else. Once again, my name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC betting podcast network thank you all so much for listening we'll talk to you soon don't forget wash your hands and don't hate if you haven't heard of anchor it is free it's a podcast that i use <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the gfsn betting and team report podcast that helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is.